Welcome, dumbheads, to MDC, the Mega Dumb Cast. In this, the high noon of season five, I'm identifying the dumbest thing on every goddamn page of MT2, the Weird Weird West, the second in a trio of time travel adventures for TSR's Marvel Superheroes RPG. Every episode is one page, every episode is short. The Weird Weird West was written by Ray Winninger and published in 1989 by TSR. Today we're discussing page 39 of The Weird Weird West. This page begins chapter 23. Today we pick up with our third super team, Ford's Furies, who, you will recall, got the ever-loving shit beaten out of them by the Crowzar for like the first half of the adventure, finally managed to escape the Crowzar, when after multiple unsuccessful attempts by the superheroes to defeat the rubber monsters, the rubber monsters were slaughtered by hoplites throwing puny javelins. Ford's Furies then fled into the desert, where they met cowboy heroes, defeated slash scared away some very cowardly bandits, met Einstein, went back to the Crowzar camp, got sweet revenge on the six hapless rubber lizards who remained there, took the neutron power flux generator, went back to Einstein, gave him the generator, and then agreed with the gunslingers. At this rate of back and forth, there's no way we're going to make friends with Alexander the Great, Genghis Khan, and the notoriously prickly Napoleon Bonaparte in 48 hours before the rubber-skinned alien lizard monsters march into the mountains and blow us all up with a beta bomb, it's time to split up. Now, I reckon maybe Ford's Furies were pressed for time and are not sure that they're going to be able to get everybody to Alexander's camp in time to fight the Crowzar. So they're not planning for Team Genghis Khan to necessarily be present for the battle. So they sent one team out to Genghis Khan to then make it to Alexander's camp in time if they can. The other team is going to hit Napoleon first, then Alexander. By the way, you can go to the visual companion at patreon.com slash megadumbcast. There you will find the overland map of this area, and then these travel logistics will make a lot more sense. They won't necessarily be more interesting, but you will be able to better follow this boring discussion. The illustration on this page is also on patreon.com slash megadumbcast in the visual companion for today's episode, and that's the main thing we're going to be talking about. But first, let's get this uh, plot stuff out of the way. So, Ford's Furies have elected to send Cub Scout, who is very eager to meet Napoleon, I imagine, as a history and a war buff, along with Scoop, and two of the gunslingers, the Two-Gun Kid and the Rawhide Kid, to go make diplomatic contact with Napoleon. As Cub Scout, Scoop, and the kids Two-Gun and Rawhide approach Napoleon's camp, this is what they see. Quote, Napoleon's camp is not in the condition of the others you have visited. Well, this is the first camp we visited, but I grant you that was a contrivance for podcast purposes, so you get a pass on that one. Quote, Unlike those, Napoleon and his men seem to be desperately lacking in resources. Even from afar, you realize that Napoleon's soldiers are hungry, thirsty, and desperate. What a coincidence. I've got a friend named Tigra who's hungry, thirsty, and desperate. Quote, the camp itself is a cluster of 15 to 20 low tents. About the grounds, there are over 100 soldiers. Traffic in and out of the compound is frequent and steady. So Napoleon's camp is in a bad way. And as with all the camps, the first thing we've got to do is figure out how to get in there and talk to Napoleon. The options here are the same as at the other camps. But the outcomes for those approaches are slightly different. The best way to get in is still to punk out some soldiers outside the camp, steal their clothes, and walk right in. Naturally, dressing up in authentic Napoleonic military uniforms uh, is not going to effectively disguise Cub Scout at all, but that will definitely not stop him from doing it anyway. This isn't about utility, it's about adorability. But anyway, I guess these troops must really be tired and hungry because... Even Scoop, a physically unimpressive female journalist, as long as she's wearing one of those tall hats that the French soldiers wear, nobody gives her a second look, and it's into the camp she goes. Another option is to just walk in and ask for Napoleon, which also works. 
quote, part of Napoleon's code of military conduct requires him to listen to the demands of anyone who approaches the compound peacefully and wishes to negotiate. Any hero who can pass an excellent intensity reason feat roll knows that Napoleon and his men will react in this fashion. This is a cool detail and relevant to this group because Cub Scout has both the military and history talents, so this is the sort of thing he should know. On the other hand, Cub Scout also has a reason of six, so even with a column shift, he has like a 3% chance to remember this fact. So, clothes stealing it is. Actually, stealth is an option here. Quote, the heroes might try to sneak in using stealth, in which case you should make a remarkable intensity intuition feat for the soldiers. If the soldiers fail their feat, the heroes have no problem wandering around the encampment and locate Napoleon with little difficulty. If the feat roll succeeds, the heroes are detected and confronted by 50 soldiers who take them prisoner. If the heroes try to resist capture in any way, they lose one diplomacy point on Napoleon. Once the heroes are captured, they will be led before Napoleon for interrogation as prisoners of war. And then, of course, there's the option to just use your powers to get in with no difficulty. Scoop could do that alone, but she wouldn't be able to get the others in. So yeah, it's going to be disguise, even though honestly, with a remarkable intensity feat to notice the heroes, stealthing into the camp would be very likely to work. So points to the author for allowing stealth to be an option, minus points for once again making the character's actual skill at stealth irrelevant to this stealth situation. It doesn't matter how good a sneak you are, it only matters how hungry the guards are. Anyway, that's all that happens on this page in the text. What I really want to talk about on this page is the illustration, which is, I don't even know if this technically fills the conditions for a dumbest thing. It's a moment of self-aware dumbness. It is an illustration depicting the dumbness of what is on the next page. So minor spoilers, as you know, you got to do something to impress all of these generals. Alexander was into poetry. Genghis Khan was into, um, oh yes, strength. Napoleon is into strategy. And so he wants to play chess with you. That's coming tomorrow. We're going to get the author's account of how that's supposed to work tomorrow. On this page, we get the artist's depiction of what it's like when you ask a group of player characters to play chess with an NPC. It is very accurate, very funny, and unequivocally shows what a well-intentioned but dumb idea this is. You'll want to go to the visual companion for today. Once again, patreon.com slash megadumbcast. It's a free post. You can see this picture. What we have is Napoleon sitting at a table across from the vision, and they are both pondering a chessboard. Napoleon's making a move. Vision is holding his chin pensively. Vision is in a high-stakes battle of wits and strategy with one of humanity's greatest strategists, hoping to prove his intellect, his worth as an ally, and to thereby save hundreds of thousands of people. This is an exciting situation for Vision and only Vision. Gathered around this table, we find some Napoleonic soldiers. Two of them are just sort of looking with minimal interest at the chess game. One of them is just looking aside, just zoning out and just staring off panel at nothing. And one of them is like holding the back of his neck and has his head kind of drooped down. Must be near the end of this guy's shift. He's trying to be invested in General Bonaparte playing chess, but you know it's getting late. Meanwhile, the other player characters, the other West Coast Avengers, they're in no kind of military hierarchy. They can wear their hearts on their sleeves, and they are. Starting on the left, we have Scarlet Witch. Scarlet Witch, um, she's standing there, but I'd say she's more posing than standing. She has her hands on her hips. This author has a tendency to draw a very curvy, very cone-boobed Scarlet Witch. This is Scarlet Witch as played by Mamie Van Doren, and she's not about to stop being hot just because everybody's interested in chess right now, but she's both hot and and impatient. In many of these pictures that the artist draws, Scarlet Witch looks like she is not making a fuss, but is extremely over what the group is doing right now, and that's what we get here. More expressive is Moon Knight, who's standing right next to her and is ostentatiously yawning. He has his arms up in the air. 
he has his head tilted back. It's a very funny look with his like dark hoods. So you can't really see his face. His face is covered in shadow, but he's doing a huge yawn. His back is arched and everything. He is yawning to the heavens. My god, my sweet moon god, when will chess end? You can understand this reaction. Moon Knight has not gotten to sneak anywhere in a long time. He's not had anything tall to swing off of for a long time. His plane's not here. Frenchie's not here. He's wearing a full-body, unbreathable, bright white jumpsuit and cowl as he walks miles back and forth through the 114-degree desert, and now he's supposed to not sit, but stand by and watch chess. I'd be yawning too, but not Hawkeye. Hawkeye is right over Vision's shoulder behind him. You'll remember, Hawkeye is depicted as being like the most engaged member of the group. We usually see in this art Hawkeye kind of taking point, engaging the story, talking to NPCs. Hawkeye is holding his chin. He is watching attentively. I think Hawkeye's player here is attempting to engage this game of chess in character. That's a brave choice and such a self-sacrificing gift to the judge and the rest of the group. Like, this is boring, but my character wouldn't be bored. So it's up to me as an actor to feign interest in tonight's session. It makes the GM's job a lot easier if he only has to entertain the characters rather than the players as well. Also behind Vision, over his left shoulder, is Tigra. Uncharacteristically, Tigra seems to be paying attention to the chess game here. She's, she seems to be pretty well focused on it. She's, she's not holding her chin, though. I think she's probably coming in middle of the pack, about number three in interest in this chess game. But we can also see the struggle between the intelligent human mind of a biologist and superhero and the body of a horny tiger, because literally, her head and face are facing the chess game with interest, but her entire body is turned sideways toward a nearby Napoleonic soldier. She has her hands on her butt, and she's thrusting her crotch toward him. Like, truly, she she looks like she's doing the time warp. She's pushing her butt forward so as to thrust her crotch at this soldier, but she's not even looking at him. She's horny here, as always, but just passively horny. Her crotch is just lining up with the nearest sex opportunity, like iron filings lining up under a magnet. And then finally, sadly... In the bottom right-hand corner, we have Wonder Man, who's looking at the chess game, but just just with the most tired look of despair. Wonder Man does not want to be here watching chess. He looks defeated. He is not having fun. There, there are lines under his eyes. He looks like he's aged about five years just from the mental stress of being asked to care about chess. You just have to see this picture. I don't have anything else to say about this page. The dumbest thing, next page, spoilers, is going to be this idea of having one player play chess in the middle of a role-playing session. On this page, it is that thing depicted in all its dumb resplendence. I don't know if this technically like meets the qualifications for an episode of Make a Dumbcast, but it is what it is. Go check this out on the Visual Companion. You will see that I'm not exaggerating. This is truth in gaming art. Anyway, if you like seeing people be bored by chess and you want to experience it yourself, join me next time for chess on MDC, the Mega Dumbcast. This has been MDC. New episodes drop every day except for Sundays, when all the previous week's episodes drop in one big megasode on the top-secret patrons-only RSS feed. If you'd like to get access to that feed and support the show, go to patreon.com slash megadumbcast. Contact me however you want. I am Megadumbcast on Twitter, Gmail, Podbean, your favorite podcatcher, etc., etc. This episode's theme music, used under Creative Commons license, is Western Firefight 2 by Kula, whose work you can find at kula.com. That's C-U-L-L-A-H dot com. Thanks for listening.